Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Unnamed English Minds podcast, the podcast not enjoying life at the bottom of the Bundesliga table. I'm Connor, joining me as always is Sheridan. Hello Sherry. Hello Connor mate, you alright? To be honest, yes, but uh, when I think about football I'm not, so I think I'm about to not be alright for the next half an hour, 45 minutes. Well let's try our best not to think about football for the next half an hour. I know, I think that's the point of the podcast Sheridan, I, I, we need to, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I think we're just going to have to rip the plaster off, get through it. Uh, I mean obviously we we're recording now after the Augsburg game. We missed the Stuttgart recap because we weren't able to meet up last week. Um, but I think basically the two games, not entirely the same, but we'll discuss a lot of the points which would have come up last week anyway. So it will work out fine. Uh, before we go into that game, though, there's actually been a lot of stuff happening to discuss, not on the pitch, um, including today, as we record this on Monday after Augsburg. Um, so to start off with, we have signed a couple of new players, one of whom we've already seen play um, and one of whom I'm sure we will see very, very very soon. Um, so the first one, Sheridan uh, Anwar El Ghazi, uh, free agent, uh, signed in, right in the week before the game. You were quite excited about this, weren't you? I was quite excited about it, but that's a football player. I don't want to think about it for this episode. Um, no, I am excited about him. Like English fans will obviously know him from from Aston Villa. He's played over a hundred times uh, in English football. Um, is a well-known player. Um, brings a lot of qualities going forward, um, which we seem to be missing at the moment. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he can do. Um, I, I think that one of the main things I was excited about as well is um, that he's uh, a nice guy according to uh, an Ajax friend of ours that I text to say oh you know we've just signed Anwar Al he texts me and it was like in big capital letters Anwar Al Ghazi's at Mainz he's like yeah he is I've just seen the tweet as well and he's like yeah no good football a great guy and based on the previous podcast we followed uh, or recorded we all know that that is um, my criteria for uh, being excited about a footballer so we'll see what he does yeah I mean I think it's one of those ones where I kind of my immediate view of it was kind of negative more through not him as a player I think he is very good from when I've seen him in the past uh, and I, I'll take uh, your word for it he's a great guy as well I'm sure that will prove itself in time not um, my word Rem- uh, Dutch friend's word IX fan's word yeah well yeah but I'm taking your word for it um <laughs> I think more I was kind of annoyed in terms of just the way it's kind of emblematic of the final month of the window um, and just kind of how we just got to a decent point and then just stopped improving and actually kind of went backwards towards the end of the window. In terms of he's a winger and we know he's a winger and we don't play wingers and then yet we still signed him. I think it's probably good in terms of we need attacking bodies in that squad but we also needed attacking bodies in that squad towards the end of the window and seem openly to try and sign anyone. So I think it's one of those ones where yeah in the moment of like him signing he does make the squad better but I think it just kind of gave me a bit of a suspicion that they hadn't really planned what they were doing <laughs> towards the end of the window because that's just how it looks when you sign a player that you don't really have a position for Emblematic is a, a, a good word to, to use in that situation because that is exactly what Mike's North is we know in the last sort of two or three transfer windows that we don't act plan we, we have like a vague idea of what we want to do and then we bring in maybe one or two players to fit that system but then when the system breaks down or injuries happen we realise that actually we've not improved the squad at all we've we've improved the squad or improved the formation for a way that we want to play football and then that's not good enough it hasn't actually changed anything and I agree with you okay you know El Ghazi coming in as a winger he doesn't fit into that system necessarily and that's you know he's been signed as an emergency signing 
Um, but I think it was made clear when he did came on, come on um, that he is an improvement squad, even for just the 10 minutes that he had, because he brought in, uh, like Gruder did when he came on at the weekend as well, he brought actually an attacking emphasis into the game. He brought in something that we haven't seen before, or we certainly hadn't seen during the 80 minutes leading up to his substitution. Um, and I think he's going to be a really positive substitution uh, uh, transfer in that way, is he's going to bring something different to the squad, which we haven't got at the moment. And if he's not necessarily playing the winger where he wants to be, if we're going to persist with this system, if he comes in uh, and replaces Lee or Ronnie Zevo as that one of those two in the three going forward, even you know, if he's just come inside ever so slightly and the drifts into the wider areas as the game moves, for a, a player that's got 100 Premier League appearances and coming in on a free, I, I think it's a positive transfer. I hope it will be anyway. Yeah, no, like I said, I think it is a positive and I think he's a good player and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. But like I say, it's just kind of alarm bells in my head that oh, mm. this doesn't seem like the kind of transfer we'd have wanted to have made if it was not basically the only real attacking transfer we can make now that we've got only three agents that are possible to sign but you know we can't I guess dwell on the past too much and you know what we should have done in the transfer window in the summer don't need to worry about that now because we can't go and redo it we can only hope that we address some of the shortcomings in the squad now and then also in January when it comes to it as well but it is good at least that they are proactively adding to the squad now because I think you look at it and it's just getting paper thin with injuries adding up and I don't want us to write off the first half of the season until January so it's good that we're now sort of with this and the next one we're about to discuss actually yeah kind of you know at least prioritising getting some points on the board sooner rather than later um, and yeah there has been another signing so there, there could potentially be even more um, depending I mean there's there's been names being thrown around and you never know if it's just minds look like they're going to be active in the free agent window when well, not even window free agent market um, and people are just saying names or if they're not like, actually coming from somewhere someone knows something um, but we do know uh, because the club announced it that uh, Joshua uh, Gilavogui uh, has been signed he was released by Wolfsburg in the summer turned down some deals from Russia and Saudi Arabia so good on him um, he's a, I, I, in my opinion very good defensive midfielder in the Bundesliga which is not what we particularly need because got a good midfield reasonably um, but he has been that for many years very experienced and then it looks like actually he's coming in to play at centre-back so you know we might be getting <laughs> one midfielder out of the centre-back while adding another one in yeah we'll see where he actually does end up playing but he's again like you say a player that has played or has learned to play a different position like Eddie Fernandez, like your Dominic Core. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where he does play. According to, to Transfer Mark, the way he's played sort of 30, 35, 40 times in the heart of defence for Wolfsburg previously, I'm fairly certain he was their captain at some point. If for a not, while, yeah. If Definitely not last for a season. While, yeah. Um, so and he, and he comes in and everybody seems to think, yeah, actually, you know what, this is a very good signing for Mainz. It's probably a bit late and it's a bit kind of, oh God, we should make a signing at some point. And, you know, with, with players falling out of defence at all point, we need to actually bolster the squad in this situation. But he looks, certainly on paper and from how Mainz fans have reacted that, that watch the Bundesliga obviously every week and how Wolfsburg fans have reacted, I was reading through Twitter today, um, the kind of, there was a lot of positive emotion about the player and saying, oh, you know, you've got a good sign in there. Even if it's only for a year, maybe two years tops, he is someone that will come in and strengthen the squad. The problem I have with the, the I'm going to call him Gila because I can't pronounce his surname. He's, he's Gila from now. Um, the problem I have with his signing is it's emblematic to use your wording again of the summer we had last season when we let Neocarte and Zanjust go in the same summer transfer window and never actually replaced them until Hatcher Olsen came in in winter and still haven't replaced the both of them 18 months later. So we're going through these two transfer windows of not adequately replacing the players that need to be replaced 
and just coming up with solution like and, and short term oh god we need to make we need to do something now because everything's gone wrong rather than a long term uh, which we got right with Hatcher Olsen who we're now sadly coming into the, into the next topic where we're sadly missing for up to six months um, we, we're just coming up with these kind of short term fill the gap fill the gap put a bit of cement in and hope for the best and that's not the way to run a football club yeah I mean I think it's one of those things basically this signing I think can only be viewed in the context of the injuries that we've got at the moment so you mentioned Hatcher and who on Monday was announced four to six months out likely uh, to his back from his operation that he's had for the injury I guess that he picked up against Burnley in pre-season so that's been two months um, that he's already dealing with that um, Maxim Leitch is out injured at the moment we don't really know much about that injury and how long he might be gone for um, Sylvan Vidmer is still injured hopefully should be back soon but he is still injured and it has been a long-term injury since April last year uh, this year so uh, you know we don't know how long he'll need to build up to it because he will have his pre-season um, Philip Mvina um, was, was injured for the game no idea what is going on he went for an MRI scan I think that's the only information that's uh, available to the public Danny DaCosta went off injured obviously has had injury problems over the last couple of years as well um, it's just a long list of defensive injuries uh, where you're basically worried that you know obviously Stefan Bell for example has had a history of defensive injuries until now you're just worried that he might go down at some point one of the players that you know hasn't been injured you'd be worried that that, that they might sustain something I don't know. it's basically very paper thin to the extent that we've had to play core in the uh, centre back quite a lot this season already I think it makes sense that you do just at that point with that amount of defensive injuries you do then have to start looking at some kind of like short term solution um, but yeah like like we say you then also have to be thinking about strategic stuff and we haven't seemed to have like really prioritised that position as like a, a you know a stone to kind of improve on yeah absolutely I, I, th- I think it's difficult as well because the, the summer transfer window we were we were hoping that things had improved and with the centre half like we had Hancher Olsen and okay, okay he's our first choice centre half and then you brought in Seth van den Bergen on loan as well and you're like okay he's the next centre half and with Eddie Fernandez, Stefan Bell you have one of the three or one of the three in the position where you can kind of swap the play it might be a bit of a weak link but the the player that you come that does come in you would hope would do a job along the two solid first choice first names on the team sheet centre half um, which confused me on Saturday in Augsburg because Vandenberg started on the bench so you've got a, a centre half a, a learnt centre half that is his position sat on the bench to be replaced by Dominic Core, who's played at centre half two or three times this season already and proved that he's not good there he doesn't he just doesn't perform in that position the only thing I can think of is that Vandenberg had I don't know a bit of a niggly injury that, that meant he couldn't start the game Yeah, or, or to be fair that he'd played pretty poorly in the couple of games before then so young player take him out of the firing line course should be able to do a job against a team like Augsburg he's proven too consistently this season that he, does, he doesn't and that's that's the problem I have with it is that you're taking a centre half out and replacing him with a kind of half centre half in the hope that he's better this week um, and I, I would be putting he's, he's a 21 year old professional athlete from, from Liverpool you know he's maybe a young oh, yeah, so this, is, this is a devil's advocate what potentially Bo might be of course thinking, yeah but, but, but I, I, I think you need to be throwing him if he's, if he's struggling in there you know not up to the point where he's doing five or six games where he's the worst player on the pitch but if he's made a couple of mistakes as a kid you think okay you know I expect that of you um, but if that's his position that's where he needs to come in and prove that that's where he belongs to be and that he that he proved that he belongs at this level rather than dragging a central midfielder who improves the team when he plays in the position that he should be in 
um, and dragging him into the centre of defence and just causing us more problems. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. I'd I'd like defence. You would like to sort of see as like a relatively settled part of the team in terms of you want that to be the foundation for everything good that you do going forward. Um, I just think we're not getting really much balance. But we'll we'll go into that probably sort of after the game discussion because you know realistically uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about about the game and then we can then look back based on what we discussed the sort of conclusions that we want to draw from it. Um, but just before we look at the lineup, uh, how was your away day experience? Because I think we should we should throw in some kind of positive uh, <laughs> to this <laughs> sea of negativity that's going to be sort of before and after this bit. It's just a running theme for the season, isn't it? This negativity. Um, the away day experience, as always, was was great fun. Um, Augsburg is a, a beautiful city. It was my first time going there. Um, so I got the train down early Saturday morning. Um, had a bit of a, a mooch around and some breakfast before the rest of the guys come down and we met up had some more uh, kind of mooching around some of the local sites and then went for some beers and lunch and made our way to join you guys over at the uh, um, at the stadium um, we picked up a, an Australian Swansea City fan uh, en route as well who's now decided he's massive mind so that's good fun so he was in the away end with us um, it's, it was another we've talked about this previous like social aspect of Mind Stone is, is amazing how many people from around the world we kind of bring to the games with us and go you know look at this this is our German football team and with this big group of international friends and uh, yeah the football's crap but don't worry about that just enjoy a beer with us yeah no I, I from my side as well it was a good day I just got the bus down there and back so it's very much like in and out kind of job um, but You're better for it I can imagine <laughs> you get away quickly well yeah but then you, you kind of you leave the game kind of like oh well, that's not great and then it's like oh well I'm going to be home in six hours great um, so I couldn't console myself with a nice meal or anything but well that's true I got the evening to, to enjoy a nice city with, with good friends and whatnot, and and kind of feel like I was travelling whereas you've got to stew on that football match for six hours on a bus that's yeah. so <laughs> I just I just read a book from the coach. It was fine, but it's one of those things. I mentioned this in my uh, newsletter, which I sometimes write about following the minds. Um, but I like to use away days to kind of uh, expand my personal map of Germany, the place I've been to. Augsburg, I haven't been to, and technically, I mean, the stadium seems to be like seven kilometers outside of the city. So mm. don't know if I can really count uh, that as a place that I've visited. I've definitely visited the stadium. I thought it was quite cool um, there, like for what it was like, in terms. Of- wait, wait. Do you stand on taking off surface stations? Uh, well, I've got a lot of them. You've got a lot uh, of them. Just purely based on that, yeah. There you uh, go. You would just add Augsburg to your service station list as <laughs> the, the in and out <laughs> job. It's the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good day uh, and I enjoyed it. But yeah, it's one of those things I was kind of like, I could be visiting a, new, a cool new place. I'm sure I'll go back at some point and uh, properly see it as a place. But yeah, thankfully we both had a good day despite the football, but we have to discuss the football. So let's look at the lineup. Um, three changes based on the team that lost to Stuttgart, which, you know, that had changes with the one that we last discussed on the podcast we won't go into that um, but um, Seth Vandenberg came out as we discussed um, he was replaced by Tom Kraus uh, with Dominic Corr going to centre back Kraus playing in the field um, Vina was replaced by uh, Daniel Costa and then Ajort came back in for Marco Richter um, it was one of those ones where basically it's the typical there's been a change of players and they're not all in the same position is that a back five or a back four mm. uh, I think I, I was very much well there's no chance it's not a back five and you were like well I hope it isn't <laughs> yeah I, I was very in the uh, 
please, please, God, please make sure it's not a back five today position. And it was funny as well because once the the team lineups are always released about an hour before kickoff, and you could see we were stood in the uh, in the away end by this point, or at least certainly downstairs having a beer, and you could see the ripple of the news coming round and kind of 600, 700 minds all praying to the to the skies that there was going to be four at the back. But sadly, no, the teams came out, they got lined up, and Dominic Core took his position uh, in, the, the in the centre of the heart, in the centre of the, uh, the back three which that's one that, like even for that I just don't understand because I know it's like in theory it's like he's the midfielder he can kind of then step out and he's covered by two centre backs but also I think Stefan Bell in terms of pace just gets like isolated so much when he's on the side it would for me just make more sense to have had core there where he can then kind of pop into midfield a little bit easier from there but you know I'm no tactician let's let's not get into the, the nuts and bolts of it too much uh, but yeah it, it just feels weird not seeing of those three not seeing Stefan Bell in the middle yeah I agree with you in that and, and like you say not getting too deeply into the tactical but if you're going to take the positives of the three players the skill sets that they have Dominic Core can read a game quite well he's, he's, he's good in the tackle and he'll be able to intercept so when the ball's played into the channels which you would expect against the back five you'd be knocking into the channels that he'd be able to go out and cover and, and read that kind of thing and anything that does go long and into the box Stefan Bell is an excellent header of the footballer uh, of the of the football that he would be the one in the middle you would expect to just get up and, and <laughs> win the ball all the time but I've got a mental image of him heading other players now because how you phrase that but yeah no, <laughs> the, point, the point stands for sure um, let's get into the game then I think it was actually a really positive start it's probably the best we've started a game this season um, very much Augsburg on the back foot and we scored six minutes in yeah and it was surprising to see as well because one of the hopeful balls long pumps into the box actually came off um, so the ball's come out into the right hand side we've we've won it fairly high up it's been played out to Danny DaCosta on the right hand side who's taken a touch got his head uh, head up whipped it in and um, Ajorka's has got above his man and nodded into the top corner and it's an absolute kind of classic Mainz goal that going into the season we expected to see two or three times a game you know high press win the ball play into the wide area good ball into the box and your big six foot six striker nods into the top corner Bob's your uncle thanks very much see you later um, but it, it, it yeah I mean that that happened obviously and then um, we've gone mental we thought oh do you know what actually this looks a bit better than, than we've seen for the rest of the season here I we have, go I have to say my initial thought was it's six minutes of the game far too early to be going ahead but that's just a suspicious minds fan <laughs> so, so, some of us enjoy football and yeah. we're just <laughs> enjoying the moment <laughs> um, and, and we almost enjoyed it even more because five minutes later we went 2-0 up only to find out that Stefan Bell's right shoulder right toenail I don't know what uh, was offside yeah, I mean, I have to say, uh, this goal, it was classic goal mouse scramble kind of stuff. And I, I think that this game is probably the closest I've ever got while watching a Bundesliga game to feeling like I was watching a League Two game. Because there was just <laughs> so much like basic chaos, like players need to fix this kind of thing. Uh, yeah. What on earth are you doing? You show some professional pride, that kind of stuff. Yeah. The kind of stuff that I'm used to watching Swindon do, or more, more likely actually, because Swindon quite good team at League Two level, um, more, like, more like the position of Swindon do um, and combining to do together um, it's just what Mainz and Augsburg did at various points where it's just like just kick the ball lads and, and yeah. just like just seem to go into weird places that weren't expected yeah. just for an eternity the ball was in the six yard area not really going towards the goal not really getting cleared just kind of moved across and then Bell sort of prods it in yeah and <laughs> I, Vaz just got into my head too much obviously it's been five years that we've had video system referees now I just didn't celebrate like I was just stood there like do you know do you know how what? I felt because the, the, the original ball's come 
come in. Bell, I think Bell actually wins the first header, um, knocks it back towards the far corner, and it kind of, a short gets on the end of it and taps it onto the post, and then the ball flips up over the goalkeeper somehow and rolls along the goal line, and you, you're watching it from afar going, like, anybody, I don't care who, just run in and tap that into the bottom of the court, uh, into the bottom of the uh, bottom of the net, and eventually it reaches the other post, and Stefan Bell manages to stick a leg out and prod it into the corner before the defender hacks it clear. But do you know that video of uh, Ralph Hasenhüttl when he was at Southampton who just goes charging off down the touchline and then goes whoa yeah, 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 yeah. that's exactly how I felt because I went flying down the away end and then I've seen the flag or somebody's not really sure if it's gone in but I had this moment in my head of get in goal here we go whoa 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 hold on hold on no no that's 2-0 mics inside 10 minutes that can't be yeah whereas I was kind of the opposite so I was like whoa 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 and then I started so and then but then obviously they, they all get back both teams are lined up it's obvious that there's a check yeah and then once you once the check goes on that long you know that basically it's offside yeah it, it was a long check as well wasn't it it was a good two or three minutes while they uh, got the, the uh, prospectors out to, to mark out the lines and make sure that his left toenail was yeah, offside check, check the, pixel, the yeah. pixels on the edges uh, yeah the, the, so ultimately at the, at the end of the day justice probably served it you know probably was the correct decision I've, I've not cared to watch it back so it, whatever it happened yeah. did just then make me think you know very nice to go 2-0 up and then uh, concede an equaliser basically with the next attack um, because okay so that, that that goal that Bell scored and had ruled out was scored in the 10th minute is the 15th minute when Dimitrovic yeah. scored and like we said there's a couple of minutes of our check in there as well yeah. um, so pretty much the next thing that Augsburg do is go down the other the other end and it's just typical minus defending yeah. I, I, this is, I, I, I think if you took the 600 that were in the away end 700 however many there were of us uh, in the away end on Saturday and, and you told them okay you guys are now in charge of the tactics or you're in charge of telling us what's going to happen next we would get it right every single time because as soon as the referee put his arm up to say indirect free kick no goal offside the entire away end just went right that's mm. us <laughs> yeah that's us conceding in the next yeah. five minutes Then, and it, and it is exactly what happened and it is, an, it was another criminal goal as well it was just a long hopeful ball into the box which didn't really achieve anything nobody took charge of the situation and suddenly Demirovic is, is bundling it into the bottom corner and it's it's one all and we've all gone well we saw that coming didn't we yeah, and I mean, it's one of those ones where, because of where we were stood, uh, there was a flag entirely in the way of the uh, 18-yard box from where I was standing. So I have no idea how the ball made it in. I just kind of basically, the ball came through towards the 18-yard box. My mind kind of filled the gaps, and then I looked towards the sort of back of the goal net, and I saw it was rustling. I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, all right, if you like. <laughs> one all, we'll take that. No, it was. It was just, like I said, it was just another lugful ball into the box. Nobody's taking charge of the situation, and he's just half a second quicker than, than anybody else um, and he's, he's made it 1-0 and yeah so I mean that's quite an eventful 15 minutes of football we've got good 7 minutes or so of discussion about that so that's basically for every every second we've got half a second of discussion brilliant brilliant right <laughs> we can't do that for the rest of the game though so uh, at, at a glance uh, the um, Augsburg scored their second on the brink of half time up until that point how do you think the rest of the first half went nothing happened yeah I mean that, uh, that's what I was going to say I just kind of was like looking through thinking through my own is not that many chances of note for either team I think Augsburg had basically two shots in, in the first half and scored yeah. both of them yeah. um, we were a little bit more productive but not really in terms of creating clear cut opportunities yeah. it was very much like just uh, you know um, we're near that we're nearly there kind of thing yeah I, I, I would agree I think we were productive in the sense that we put our foot on the ball a bit better and kind of held possession of the football we, 
without actually doing anything. It was it was very much kind of, oh, we've got the ball. And, and people talk about statistics in football, and this is one of those classic situations. If you look at the first 45 minutes, if you look at the statistics at halftime, Mike said more possession and uh, XG was higher or I don't know what, but like nothing actually in an actual footballing sense, nothing happened until carbon copy of the first goal. They've gone, oh, you know, it's nearly halftime. Let's see if we can do something. They've lobbed another hopeful wall into the box. The Jorks missed the first header. You six foot six strikers missing a header in the box, by the way. That's criminal act number one. Um, and Danny DeCosta, who had gone off at that point and been replaced by Ayman Barcock, um, the ball kind of dropped in between Kaur and Barcock. Both of them fast asleep. Both of them nowhere near the ball in their own minds. And Demirovic. In fact, Demirovic wasn't even the only player in there. He's coming between the two there's of them to tap the ball. Him, but there's somebody else queuing up behind him. And, and you could see it from the away end. He's like, both of you have fallen asleep. And Barcock had been on the pitch for 10 minutes at that point. And I'd gone mental at him a couple of times for falling asleep. Yeah, you just hate him, sir. Oh, can enough. you blame me? That, like, was he... that was just while he's warming up. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him in the, in the uh, bus before the game. <laughs> um, no, but it's it just the ball dropped between the two of them. Like I say, the six foot six centre forwards missed the first header. Um, the ball's popped back in and dropped in between the two of them. Nobody's taken charge of anything. And it is this continuation of comical goals that we've conceded this season. I, I was telling you about it in the thing. It's not even good crosses that are coming into the box. These aren't balls that are uh, behind. They've turned the defence around. The keeper's not sure whether he'd come. The centre-half's not sure whether he should stick a boot out because he's scared yeah. of putting it into They're his own into net. Area and it's then, just hopeful yeah. lobs forward. It's like when you're under 10s football. It's just kick the ball in that direction and hope that something comes of it. And that's what happened. And, and Bush, 2-1 down, it going in half time. So this is the basically my point from that that half an hour between their first goal and their second goal is we were quite controlled. So we like we had a lot of the ball. Um, we were slowly working opportunities. We didn't really look that much in danger. Um, but equally, we weren't playing well enough to actually create anything clear cut ourselves. But it was controlled. But you can't do that if actually even when you are in control, you're just gonna switch off. Absolutely. So if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna play controlled and just sort of slowly work opportunities and hope to win a game by goal or two, uh, you have to make sure that you're on for 90 minutes plus injury time. Yeah, the way and that's not what we do. We 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 kind of play kind of quite methodical uh, and go through the gears and and it looks statistically okay. But if you look at most of the games we played this season in terms of shots and all of this kind of stuff, bar probably Union, um, we've been in pretty much every game. But you can't make it so easy for the opposition and then expect them to do the same for you, especially when you're not clearly better. Watch certainly the first half, the first 45 minutes. Watching Mainz at the moment feels like an under 20, an under 12 coaching session where you're teaching the boys how possession works. You're like, okay, this is how we play as a team. This <laughs> so is true. this is how we move forward as a team. Don't worry about the goal behind us. This is a training session. We're going to concede goals. You know, this is how we move through the channels. This is how we move through the lines. And and it's, that's exactly how it feels watching Mainz at the moment because as soon as the ball comes back towards the goal, they're like, don't worry about it, lads. It's only a possession drill. But we're actually two one down in a Bundesliga game. Yeah, I think that there was a quote after the Stuttgart game from Martin Schmidt saying that maybe we'd been a bit too cerebral or something like that. And I was kind of like, so, so, so basically like doing things that are easy in a footballing sense so that not we can do them but like you know a professional, professional footballer football yeah footballer could do it um, that they're then finding just these easy things really really hard to do and it's just kind of I just don't understand how that is actually possible but anyway uh, don't want to talk about that quote because it rattled me when yeah, I read it is, I, I just would, been sat on it for a week I will end up shouting into the mic <laughs> if I talk about it um, but yeah so uh, I think now at halftime it's probably a good time to go into a tweet that we got from Stephen when we put out last week asking for tweets for the Stuttgart episode that we didn't end up recording 
Um, so he said, simple one, um, what seems to be the problem? Not sure Bono's the best team, and Venus seems to be rotating uh, from right to left wing back. Obviously, injuries aren't helping. If we take like the nub out of that question, are we able to look at the performances that we've seen so far from first five games, or four and a half at this point that we're discussing it, and say there's one problem? Or is it we actually need to improve in a lot of different areas? There's, there's definitely lots of different problems, and we clearly need to improve in different areas. We talked about the transfer policy earlier in the podcast, and it was clear that we, we didn't improve as much as we potentially thought we did. I remember, you know, talking with everyone in the summer, we thought, okay, you know, we've not lost a lot of quality. Um, we've bought in a bit of quality. There's not actually a lot of difference to where we were or to going into the Elfersberg Cup game at the beginning of the season to where we left the back end of last season. Um, but I think I think Stephen probably hits it on the head himself there by saying that Bo doesn't seem to know what his best team is um, because he, he's just, he's so stubborn with this style of play that he has. And we're now, I keep talking about it, it's another game every podcast but now what 10 11 games without a win apart from scraping past the second division team in the cup um and we we just consistent with the same system he's just so stubborn with it and it wasn't until what the 80th minute on saturday that we by bringing on el ghazi that we actually changed the system slightly bringing on gruder it's so late like why are we waiting so long in games when the system that we've been playing now for however long he's been in charge of the club at the moment just clearly doesn't work yeah i mean it's, it's one of those things like obviously in certain situations it does work but then in, in others it doesn't like like we've said if you're going to be making individual errors at the back playing such a defensive system probably doesn't actually work in terms of if you're going to have to score three goals to win then you should set up in a way that you're going to score three goals kind of thing exactly uh, but I, I think it's difficult for Bo in the sense that uh, yeah, that he probably doesn't know his best team. I think it's also quite evident that he, even if he knew what his best team was, he can't play it because none of them can walk. Absolutely, yeah, no, <laughs> so exactly. It's kind of, it's, kind of it, it's difficult for him in that the defense is such a weak point at the moment. There's a clear reason why it's weak because we're missing a lot of quality. Mm. But then also, okay, the, there is more than one way of compensating for that other than just sit deep and try and draw the opposition in. Yeah, it has the feeling of a man that's gone onto FM base. Well, playing football manager just and, and just downloaded a tactic and he's like don't worry lads it's gonna work because eventually the chemistry will be good and oh, please I'll... save scumbo I really yeah. uh, just, <laughs> we, need to, we need to do something <laughs> honestly the next three weekends in Augsburg until we win <laughs> yeah. it, but it does it just feels like a man that's just kind of he's taken over a club he knows some of the names of the players he knows roughly what position they play in he's downloaded a tactic and he's just pushing players and just trying to mould them around until it works and you go from losing 10 games to winning the next 20 and winning the Champions League yeah. I don't know but it, we'd do well we'd do well to do that to be fair so. well yeah that's <laughs> absolutely we'd do well to win a game of football at the moment let alone a Champions League um, but it's the injuries are a key part of course they are um, and I think any any club would struggle with the amount of injuries we've got you know we have got a lot of bad luck but like um, you say this goes back before the injuries happen but well. it, yeah exactly the back end of last season we went from 10 games unbeaten where we thought oh, you know what this man is is the next Jose Mourinho is going to lead us to Europe to suddenly losing five games without even a whimper like these are games that we just weren't in as well and we haven't started well this season either we've not apart from the first six minutes on Saturday in Augsburg and the lead we had against Frankfurt, but that was never that was never a comfortable lead, really. really. Um, we've just not looked like the team we were when we had this ten game unbeaten run at the back end of last season. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for everyone is not just the stubbornness not to change the system, um, but you know, what changed? Yeah, I mean, I think this is exactly the kind of spell that any manager worth their salt goes through at some point early on in their managerial career, and they learn something from mm. and get better. 
all I hope is that the learning happens uh, while he's at Mines rather than yeah. that he you know, eventually has to go because the results are too bad or that he ends up leaving at the end of the season. Anyway, he's, only on, he's only under contract at the end of the season, so like, we yeah. don't even know if he's actually going to be here. He's, he's been very tight-lipped. He's been very tight-lipped about whether he's going to sign a new deal as well. Yeah. The, the last so press it's, conference. It's kind of like one of those things, you know, I would like to see him sort of address these kind of things while he's at Mines rather than yeah. sort of in the future somewhere else. Um, and it's just, it's just the sort of hope Hope amongst hope that you know within the sort of uh, backroom setup in uh, at the Brookvig, they're actually having conversations about how do we actually do this. Yeah, the fact that we're bringing in a couple of different kinds of players, like like we said, there isn't really a player like Anwar Anwar Al Ghazi that we've had for the last few years. Mm. So to fit him in, rather than you're not gonna you're not gonna bring him in to just be like okay, well now you're just gonna pretend that you're kind of I don't know Marcus Ingvarsson because he's not gonna be able to do that. He's gonna you're gonna have to kind of change a little bit about the way that you play to fit him in. And I'm hoping that that brings out the best in terms of like actually just kind of working out a new solution how you play it absolutely one, one of the biggest concerns I have about Enwer Ogazi is that he's been brought in to sit on the bench and come on when we're already 2-0 down because we've not changed the system and he's like Enwer come, come into the club for a year and, and show us what you can do but you're going to sit behind Jason Lee who has offered nothing all season um, and, and you can come on apart from his goal against Frankfurt but <laughs> I, th- I think I would have scored that as well the way the ball popped up and Kevin Trapp <laughs> flew through Monbach getting absolutely yeah. nowhere in I think I'd have been winded in our own part. <laughs> yeah, I, the point stands. Um, but but yeah, like you say, you're hoping someone at the Brookvig right now is you're all sat in a meeting room with a chalkboard with eleven players on it, and somebody's moved one of the five up higher up the pitch. Oh, that be, that, that's the sound of that doesn't. Why don't we try? Why don't we try this? And you know, there's light bulbs going off in the room, but I don't believe that's the case. Are you imagining the, the scene in Ted last time? I mean, you not watched the most recent series of Ted Lasso, no. uh, where he reinvents total football base. well he, he invents total football just 50 years too late uh, but anyway sorry for the spoilers for that if anyone's not watched it but you know it's uh, you know it's been out long enough that I think we can sort of reference I think it that's now. a fair comment uh, second half in Augsburg uh, I think we can boil this down to three main points so opening quarter of an hour neither team really doing very much no red card on the hour for old mate I don't know what he's called Belgian guy Engels Arne Engels yeah uh, can't really argue with it it was video assistant ref anyway that uh, sort of put up so I had no idea what was really going on while I was in the stadium. Well, it, it, it looks bad on the pitch, and you're like, okay, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a hard tackle. I wasn't too sure, but once you look at the replay, like he gets him knee high. It's actually yeah. one of the worst tackles I've ever seen. <laughs> he's not. He's nowhere near the ball. The ball is nowhere near. Uh, anything there's no reason to go in like he does and he catches Barcock knee high so yeah. Yeah. and then you're looking at that that's 61 minutes played for like yep. roughly half an hour against 10 men Augsburg going into the game had very very similar season to us so far in terms of conceding stupid goals yep. having to work very hard to score goals themselves um, they had one more point than us they, they'd had a tougher start to the season in fairness to them um, but you know Although I don't think that we've got the best, the most amount of quality at times. I don't think they do either. So it's kind of one of those things. An extra man for us should really show. And at that point, what you really want to see is proactive substitutions basically right away. Like there should be players on the hour mark. There should be players ready to go anyway. And we took 10 minutes to make any adjustment to the team. And even that was like for like. So that's Bruder coming on uh, for... I can't remember who he came on for now. I think it might have been... Uh, it, do, it doesn't even really matter. Bruder came on and Vandenberg came on. Yep. Um, and it was just at that point... It was a continuation of what I said yeah. earlier, the, the under-12s possession drill. It's like, okay, boys, you've learned how to play 11 v 11. Right, we're going to take one of the players out 
now and you're going to try and there's a bit more pace a bit more tempo into this drill we're going to try and get out of them but we didn't and like you say we didn't make and Bo's been criticised for this consistently in his entire time at Mainz and he is a young manager and we're hoping this is something that he's going to learn but he is not proactive enough with his substitution and if he is proactive he's too late with his proactivity you know the Al Ghazi coming on in the 80th minute Augsburg with all due respect to Augsburg aren't the best side in the league they do enough every season to stay up and respect to them for that you know they're a, a standardised now Bundesliga team but if you're 2-1 down against them and they go down to 10 men they're exactly the kind of team that are just going to bank in and go we need to make sure we take at least a point out of this and with the pace that we have going forward the creativity and the excitement that we have going forward in players like El Ghazi in Brian Gruder in um, Viper when he's fit these are the players that should have come on immediately you drop you take the five out you make the four and you put the two in the wide areas El Ghazi and Gruder and you say go on then boys get at them yeah. go and get us the equaliser go and get us a third goal but we didn't do that we waited we waited we knocked the ball around on the halfway line for 10 minutes until Bo woke up and went oh yeah do you know what we're here to win a game of football I'll, I'll, I'll try something and bought on a centre half yeah and to be fair at, at that point so 70 minutes he brings on Gruder who immediately comes on and makes a positive impact in terms of he's the first player who's flying past players it's the first thing he did and, within and 30 where, seconds he what, picked yeah. the ball up and went past his and, man and that is now a common thing for him to do as a substitute because yeah. he did the exact same thing away to Union. he was the first player to basically go past his man yeah. uh, with time to spare kind of thing happened again um, against Augsburg and it's just one of those things where from where he was playing he was kind of playing wide you kind of need someone to be in the box to, to deliver it to and at that point it was really just a joke mm. uh, and he was on his own crowded out by a lot of Augsburg players because uh, as well as playing these two banks of four they were playing quite narrow as well yeah. they were quite happy for us to have the ball out wide because they're just like well we've got four players you've got one attacker in the box yeah absolutely it's only going to end up in one way maybe two attacks in the box at best but we were going a lot was going to have to go right for us to score and they didn't a lot would have to have gone wrong for them to concede uh to concede um then we then make the system change in terms of adding on the extra attacker. So Richter and, and El Ghazi come on the 80th minute. And really, to, to be honest, that it doesn't didn't really change much in terms of it. Just meant that the two the, the extra wide man was just hugging the touchline in terms of El Ghazi was very very wide. Uh, and really, I don't think we needed the players to be there. I think what you want in that scenario is for Cassie and Barcock, who's playing on the right hand side, for them to stay really really wide. Yeah. And then to have the extra attackers actually in the box and actually you know when you put a ball in that there's going to be a couple of Mainz players competing for it yeah what ended up happening was that we were putting balls into well, we were trying to put balls in a lot of the time we were just knocking it around trying to work a better angle and then ended up going back to front yeah um, but when we were putting the ball in again a lot of there were a lot of players in wide positions and no one in the middle to sort of sweep it up so yeah. there was one chance to note that we created uh, it was uh, I think a Fernandez shot in the 96th minute that was the last kick uh, of the game basically which yeah. uh, just <laughs> to sum it all up hit a York stand leg and bounced out for a goal kick yeah and see this is the thing so going back to your point about the, the two uh, wide players Cassie and Barcock that's exactly what a back five is supposed to offer in terms of controlling the football match you're supposed to be able to push those two wing backs yeah. forward and that's why we don't and, have wingers as well exactly that's exactly why you have the, the narrow front three because the two wing backs are supposed to be able to push forward and offer that kind of wide so that when the balls do come into the box or when they do come into the central area you have an overload in the centre but we don't offer that um, but it is absolutely typical minds that despite again playing horrendously is that if a Jork with this chance from Fernandez, Fernandez kind of scuffs his shot but I think it might be going in the bottom corner anyway or certainly hitting the post. I don't think it was going no? in to be honest but, but yeah. it, was, it was kind of in that area where it's the, very keep, safe the keep, keeper anyway. would have had to think about it um, and, and despite being horrendous being awful for 
84 minutes or 90 minutes once you add in the six minutes of stoppage time that if a York manages to somehow just kind of turn his leg 30 degrees the ball comes off at him at a different angle and goes flying into the bottom corner and you come away from that game with a point despite probably can you can you say we did wouldn't have deserved a point I don't the thing I have with that game is I don't think anybody deserved anything that's the problem yeah that's it's one of those things I think really you can only judge Augsburg against okay well, they got into half time with a 2-1 lead that you know they maybe didn't deserve but they took their chances where we didn't and then they've just defended the lead mm. um and you have to look at it and say, you know, did we deserve to get a point? No, because we didn't attack the game enough. No, and it, we, we it's played. It's as simple as that. We would have prob- probably, if, like, if the should be on the other foot, they would have had to. They would have probably knocked on our door a lot harder. Hundred uh, percent. We played. We played for thirty-five minutes with an extra man. Um, and okay, you're the away team and this, that, and the other. But it absolutely should have gone differently. And like I say, if we'd come on, if we'd come away from that game having drawn to all because the ball bounces off a jork at a different angle, then I think everyone would have looked at each other and gone that was a horrendous game of football the fact it had four goals in it is a miracle in itself if that had finished nil-nil then we'd have all gone home and said yeah fair enough I, mean, I, I, think, I think it's one of those things I would have I, I don't think the last minute goal other than I'd have been excited in the moment I don't think in the end it would have changed the way I felt about the game and performance no absolutely uh, me it's neither one of, yeah, but... it's one of those things where like you know getting the points on the board at this stage at the moment where it just feels like we're doing ourselves to a relegation battle that you know having doubled our points that would have been a really important thing to do at this early stage uh, but yeah I, I think you would look at the performance you're like we've really got away with one there if we'd have scored and yeah I kind of I wasn't mad that it, had, it didn't go in because our performance didn't deserve yeah it's it's the, the for the fans certainly it's it's the, the fight and the the, the willing to, to put points on the board and you can have horrendous performances like they happen in football we're not you know we, we're not all at 100% all of the time but I think back to, to Schalke last season okay they ended up going down but you could see the way their fans were reacting even when they lost 2-1 3-2 3-1 whatever as long as there was fight genuine fight to, to throw the ball forward and go and look for the equaliser that it was like okay do you know what you put yourselves on the line there boys you've left everything on the pitch and it's, it's all these stereotypes and classics of you've left everything on the pitch and you've got to give 110% and this and the other but it is because I'm looking at the table now going we've got one point from five games and we fully deserve to have one point from five games if I was looking at it going now okay we've only drawn and lost four times but we could have uh, picked up a point here you know we we deserved a point there we probably could have got three points there but I have nothing to hold on to at the moment that makes me think do you know what this is going to be alright this season because I'm looking at it at the moment and with every passing week it's we're going down and we're going down without a whimper yeah and I, I think for me it's, it's not so much the attitude of the players that I, I would question it's just that they're just not doing what they're good at it's just weird like these defenders have not become terrible defenders overnight they're just for, for whatever reason not making the right decisions frequently enough to to not concede goals these attackers you know Ajok was crucial in the uh, good run that we had at the end of last season Onisivo um, has been very very good for the last couple, the last few years um, in terms of sort of getting a lot of goals for us and obviously he's the record Bundesliga scorer now as yep. well uh, so we, we know what they can do but they're just not really I, no, to be honest I kind of feel for them a little bit in terms of they're not really getting much of a chance to show what they can do they're not getting much of the ball uh, when they are they're, they're miles away from goal the chances they're getting are sort of half chances at best and it's just it's kind of one of those things when you know you, you're not even getting the chance to show what you can do like we're, sure. not, we're not even earning the right to play yeah and it's no, kind 100%. of 100% it's one of those things I, I look at them and it's like okay well, look the running statistics and the tackles and all this stuff the numbers aren't wrong so I don't think it's anything to do with like commitment or all that kind of stuff uh, and you know the fans at the end of the game sort of were singing sort of trying to G the players up a little bit uh, which is the right thing to do in that kind of situation but 
at the same time, it's just like, well, something needs to be done. And so it's just, I, I just think you can't keep trying to do the same thing. No, I'm not, not going to r- run out the old, uh, oh, you know, repeating the same thing every time is insanity kind of thing. It's a little bit crazy to... I will, because that's Well, exactly. no, no, I, I think it's a little bit sort of, I don't know, referring to football tactics as insanity, I don't know. No, but I, I think, it's, I think it's, it's a very valid point, though, because we've done the same thing five one, times bit, in a way. No, I'm, I'm, all, I'm, all, all I would say... The point I would make on that, rather than it being insanity, it's just like, well, do you want a different result? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's also true. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And we do, we all do. Uh, so yeah, for me, it's just like you know, difficult times mean that you kind of have to find a new way of doing things at certain, uh, to a certain extent. Let's find a little bit of a different way of setting ourselves up. Yeah, making ourselves a little bit harder to beat. Maybe scoring a couple of goals because you know, if we were getting beaten three two every week, then I would probably enjoy it a little bit more than the way that we're playing at the moment. Uh, hate to mention to in town on this podcast all the time but <laughs> one of the main reasons I'm enjoying watching their games at the moment uh, on TV uh, is that we seem to be scoring five goals every week uh, and you know sometimes we're conceding five or six but at the, at the end of the day it's like okay well I have no idea what's going to happen but it could be fun at both ends uh, whereas with us it's just like, okay we're just going to invite a lot of pressure on ourselves and eventually the pressure's going to tell and we're going to crack yeah I can't tell you how quickly I would crack though if suddenly Mike's turn around and employed the we'll score one more than you tactic because it might Del Ticker would go within a week. Um, oh, it's better than that we're going to score one fewer than you. Yeah, look, listen, I, I think at the end of the day, the, the buck has to stop somewhere and something has to change. And I think the buck stops somewhere once you realise that, that things aren't going to change. And the only way to make something change is to, to do something, you know, a yeah. big decision. Change and, of personnel. And it's a change of personnel. And it, the modern football, you don't want to be the kind of person to be out like, I'm not, I'm, the whole Svensson out thing, I've not seen that anywhere within Mites, but it's something that will start to creep in if things carry on the way they're doing and yeah. I've got enough trust in him for him to look at this and go actually do you know what I've tried this I trust the way I play football I trust the system that I want to play football it's not working we have to change something but he needs to do it soon whether we should do it against Leverkusen I'm not sure because I don't think having five at the back against Leverkusen is going to be the worst thing in the world because if you put four against the back in a system that we've not used all season and ask the players to do something that they've not trained with necessarily I think Leverkusen are the kind of team that will just run through us um, and we'll go and get six, seven, eight um, but we'll say something has to change and it, might, it might just be as simple as changing the attacking structure uh, that allows a little bit of less pressure to be added to the defensive rank so maybe it's not about changing the formation it's about I don't know we pin up sort of the, the front three a little bit further forward play slightly wider rather than yeah. narrow or we tuck someone into midfield I, th- there's a lot of different options and it's, ju- it's just about finding a new solution rather than sort of just playing the same team that is not getting us results if, if like we, you say, it's one of those things. I think with with Svensson at the moment, it's more of a ta- uh, question of what can you do as a manager to improve the situation, rather than can we get rid of you as a manager? Bring exactly. Else in. Oh, yeah. But we're five games into a thirty four game season. We, as a minimum, have to stay up yes. um, because you know what's like. The, well, you're not going to aim for any less. No. Um, there will come a point where the trajectory of results makes it very hard for that to happen under the same manager. Uh, and as much as he's got a lot of credit in the bank, and I think the next few games is going to be difficult because we've got Leverkusen Gladbach and Bayern yep. in the next few games Gladbach's away as well yep. um, if you're getting into like November and we've still not won a game it's very it's, it's yeah. quite as much as you know, as much as you like uh, like him think he's a good manager kind of thing it might just be a case of we just need something new we need to make a new decision and if you're not willing to do it then we're going to have to do it absolutely because you know a lot of what Svensson has done Svensson has done a lot for the football club as a player and as a manager um, and he's living off I think to a certain extent uh, what he achieved when he, when he when he came in for that the second round of games in 21 
can't in, and turned what we had seven points in the bank or something and he put in basically a title winning team for the for the last 17 games of the season I think he's living off of that a lot and he's not going to it's not going to happen twice it's just the whole being awful for one half of the year going away for Christmas having a nice time with the family and then coming back and suddenly looking like prime Bayern Munich isn't going to happen again and at some point we need to look at this because we were trying to work it out at the weekend it's like okay if we lose today where are our next points coming from we lost to Augsburg right okay we've got one point from five games where are the next points coming from Leverkusen look incredible under Shabby yeah I mean if if we don't get beaten by four goals next weekend then we've probably done quite well Gladbach away they're not having a good season but it's always a tough place to go and they're always the kind of team that you can beat them but they're the kind of team that can suddenly beat you 4-0 as well and crucially with Gladbach as well although the results have not been great so far for them this season I think the performances are improving on their end and their fans are 100% on side oh 100% I mean you only have to look at Darmstadt last weekend they were 3-0 down um, and and pulled it back to 3-0 and missed a penalty they could have easily have won that football match Um, and then and then Bayern Munich Harry Kane because he's Harry Kane is going to score 12 (laughs) and then you've got the international break the next game is Bochum away and I'm now looking at Bochum away as that will be the game that we hopefully get our first win of the season and that's on match day 9 it's like the 28th of October exactly it's right at the end of October and at that point if you're looking at that going that's going to be the first win of the season too late something has to change and if it doesn't happen there because Bochum away essentially is Augsburg away it's a very Uh, difficult place to go it's a difficult place to go Uh, it's an away game it's against it will be against someone in the same kind of region as well I said you've got Leipzig at home so again it's just another contender so I think with Bochum as well I don't know who said it to me at the weekend but it was a very good point was saying it's the kind of place that you'll go and if things are not on their side and they need people to get behind them that entire stadium will get behind them it will be a sellout there um, and, and they will be right behind the team um, I feel with us like you have the main kind of support block and everyone is pro but if you look at the kind of side uh, stands and whatnot, whether you would get that same energy and same kind of push from the stands as you would in somewhere like Bochum I'm not entirely sure so, yeah and, so, and sometimes it's like whether that is even a decisive factor I sometimes don't know um, but at the same time it's just you know at the end of the day so, you know something's got to give we've got to do something positive so yeah. we've just walked through a lot of games that haven't been played yet and analysed what we think is going to happen but <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so uh, we, we didn't bother with the next couple of months of podcasts, which at this rate might be a bit of a grace. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult situation we find ourselves in. All I can hope is that, you know, we talked about the free agent market. Potentially there'll be a couple more gems to find in there, mm. uh, players that are going to make us a little bit more of a difficult side to beat. Maybe we do find the solutions that we need uh, with the players that we already have as well. Mm. And, you know, maybe this time next week we'll be sat down having a very, very fun discussion about how Boniface scored a hat-trick but at the wrong end from a Leverkusen perspective I don't know the positive the first positive real positive has got to come from somewhere we say it at the end of every podcast it's going to be next weekend and there you go we're going to come back the the surprise of the season so far might be Leverkusen don't sound too confident about that but yeah um, I think we should end it on a positive note again so we had that very brief oasis in the middle of the podcast we talked about enjoying going to football Um, where where we are winning games is in the women's league so uh, since we last recorded uh, uh, the women's team progressed to the third round of the Pokal uh, with a solid win over Jan Calden 3-0 mm-hmm. um, good day out of the Brookfield and now they're going to play Duisburg probably I, I don't 
timing's been announced, but you'd imagine it'll probably be at the Brook League again at the end of yeah. November. Uh, so that promises to be a good weekend. I think it's the same weekend as Hoffenheim away. So fingers is, crossed, yeah. in terms of dates, that'll work out that people go to both of them. Uh, and they're still unbeaten. So a couple of games have been postponed for various reasons, playing in the Cup, and I don't even know what the other one. Um, but they won against top of the league on Sunday, uh, 1-0 against um, Bad Neuenar, and have won every game in their history. So it's not it's not, it's not yeah. all bad, is it? No, they, they've started very well. The Duisburg game will be um, will be a tough game because it's obviously Bundesliga opposition. Um, they, they lost their first game of the season 9-0, though. So um be interesting to see what kind of the golfing class would be, if there's a golfing class, or what the, the difference of quality would be between the, the third division the third, and the top yeah. division. Um, so, no, it's, it's great to see the girls doing so well. Um, it's fantastic. And the um, other positive to come as well out of uh, other Mites teams is the under-19s actually won in Augsburg at the weekend, which, if I'm not mistaken, means they're also unbeaten this season, having won the championship last year. So there are positive things happening with Mites football teams. It's just the, the first men's team... Um, uh, bucking the trend a little bit. Yep, so whether we have to bring some of those under-19s up and I'm going to have to learn their names <laughs> uh, or, or whatever else, who knows. Uh, all I know is very, very good experience watching the women's team. We went to the game on Sunday, uh, me and Sophie, uh, and really enjoyed it. Very nice atmosphere down there. Uh, good. A few people singing along, um, lots of families out sort of showing their kids uh, the football. Uh, and, you know, we managed to do the Humber anyway. So that's that's one of the main things. Excellent. Which is enjoyable. So I look forward to the next home game, which I'm sure I'll, I will attend in some form uh, we will also be attending uh, Mainz game soon I'm not going to be at the one on the weekend so I'm going to have to rely on your analysis next week Sheridan no uh, pressure that's uh, difficult <laughs> but you promise any positive or a good analysis but I'll do my best alright well until then uh, thanks for appearing on the podcast Sheridan thanks everyone for listening and we'll be with you next week see you soon